So continuing this talk about resolution that I started this morning, we were speaking earlier about intention or uh, sankara, volitional formations, and how uh, useful it is then to try to observe the volitional formations that arise and to uh, particularly uh, notice um, the feeling that's associated uh, with a, a wish or a decision uh, in order to make it more clear and then uh, the idea that we can uh, discern or notice whether our intentions are uh, affected uh, by greed, hatred and delusion or conversely, whether our intentions are accompanied by non-greed, non-hatred, and non-delusion. And uh, in so doing, one can then uh, be able to uh, uh, see both the potential uh, benefit and gain from uh, this uh, thing that we have naturally, this uh, human uh, capacity to form an intention and then also seeing the potential danger, depending on what the accompanying factors are. Uh, in watching the fluctuations of the mind, it's quite easy to see how sometimes one can have the combination of motivation, uh, decision, and understanding, where one can decide, make a decision to do something and it flows rather uh, naturally and easy without, without any impediments and one can have a, an intention that lasts a long time. Uh, uh, they say that uh, emotions are extremely impermanent and unstable and only lasting for a minute but there's another way in which an emotional uh, tendency can last for uh, decades. Uh, so a person uh, who was married could uh, love their spouse and that could become like a, with all of the ups and downs of life, that could be a fundamental orientation and then at different points where there's decision points or things to do or things to respond to, it's like uh, what they would kind of like uh, refer to as like the baseline. Uh, I love my spouse, therefore what am I going to do? Um, just the same way um, I have um, uh, in general a, a very flexible mind that I'm frequently inclined to just go along with the last person that I spoke to. Uh, however, there are a few things that I have this, this kind of uh, clarity about. So I would not intentionally mispronounce Pali uh, people. It's kind of a joke around here, but I, I just, whenever we recite Pali, I'm always aware of, of the pronunciation and trying to make it as good as I can. Uh, uh, a person might have, uh, in monastic life, they might have just a basic orientation towards the meditation practice, uh, that the thing that they come back to again and again is Am I able to set into the, settle into the meditation? Can I go to my meditation 
uh, uh, theme and stay uh, steadily there uh, without being distracted or pulled away by hindrances. And it could be that day in and day out, week in and week out, always that uh, question or that intention or that inclination is becomes a, a guiding force in their life. And that would be somebody who's going to be a, a, a meditating monk. Uh, uh, somebody else might have an orientation towards uh, fitness. And then uh, they will you know, find the time every day or on a very regular and consistent basis uh, to uh, do things um, for the uh, strength and uh, agility of, of the body, for the improvement of the body, and and uh, and that can that can be a, a habit of a lifetime. So then, aditana uh, seems to me a particular kind of a skillful practice that we would undertake when we want to. Uh, shift or modify these natural uh, habitual uh, inclinations. So we have a certain number of inclinations and some of them are very wholesome, uh, but then it can uh, come to a point where we want to uh, step up our game and uh, be more intentional in some area. And that would be the point at which uh, one might undertake an aditana, uh, undertake a resolution. So making an undertaking like that doesn't mean that it's going to uh, uh, shift instantly or shift completely and never go back. But it, it means that uh, the heart would always have the inclination to uh, uh, to move in that direction, and that there would be like a constant um, amount of, say, bias in life to go in that direction. So if, if one is trying to say, I want to be a meditating monk, or I want to be a meditator, and then it would just be that would be like the bias, uh, day in and day out, to see how can I support the meditation practice, how can I organize my life to make the practice more skillful. And then when I sit for meditation to to uh, um, not be inclined, not easily be willing to waste the meditation session just being uh, slothful or being, being lazy in meditation, uh, but having a clear idea of, of what it's aiming for. I just mentioned before uh, three words that uh, came to me that seemed to be uh, some of the um, aspects that might make us uh, successful in um, being able to uh, change our direction success, uh, uh, from what it was to uh, what, what we wish it to be. And that was um, this idea of, um, of a decision. And then uh, the idea of motivation, and then the idea of insight. So uh, I mentioned those three things because uh, uh, sometimes 
uh, we want to get from A to B, but it's hard to visualize how how to change. Uh, uh, say we, I would like to um, be released from emotional reactivity. Oh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> Uh, that would be called viraga, and that's something that's promised to us. It will come along in the path. Uh, but uh, the the great thing about the Dhamma is that the Buddha gives us so many different pathways and ladders. That the whole uh, uh, Dhamma is filled with many, many different ways and and teachings that are all progressive and onward leading in nature that show you how to get from A to B. So if one wants uh, viraga, for example, uh, there's a bunch of suttas that give different, um, you know, renditions of of what uh, the pathway is, and it's in that case, it's like it very strongly comes through uh, insight, you know, that you can't overcome afflictive emotions without insight, and it's when you when you have insight, then it comes naturally. Uh, so then you know that like what the stepways are, what the what the ladders are. Uh, so then, um, the decision um, that will be uh, called um, a chanda. Um, uh, which is sometimes translated as a wish or a will. Uh, chanda is an ethically neutral uh, term. Uh, you can have an evil wish and you can have a wholesome wish. Uh, When they talk about um, uh, right, right effort um, in the Noble Eightfold Path, they have the phrase uh, chandan janeti, so that you cause the chanda to be born, or you bring it into being. And so this is the first uh, thing I think that's uh, you know, very clear and obviously part of for me and Aditana is is this aspect of making a decision. Now, we make decisions all the time, it happens naturally, and perhaps some people are more decisive than others, uh, but if you would uh, cultivate a mindful awareness and notice uh, some occasions in natural life when you make a decision and see, okay, what happened there? Uh, and is the decision uh, colored by wholesome factors or colored by unwholesome factors? Uh, and, and, and try to kind of like get a feeling so that uh, if, if a good decision comes to you, you'll recognize it. And you would be able to kind of frame it in your mind and say, okay, that's a good decision. It's... Um, um, my eyes are open, I'm awake, I'm doing it with a clear mind, I'm doing it without bias and um, uh, without um, uh, afflictive uh, tendencies. And, and this is a clear decision. And then we can like mark that in the mind, okay, this is how it is to, to make a clear, uh, 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 a wholesome uh, decision. Uh, but a, a decision without any follow-up, of course, is kind of a, a weak thing. Uh, so then, in the verse, uh, 
in the discussion of right effort, it goes chandan janeti, that's giving birth to a, a wish, vayamati, viryam arabati, so uh, uh, vayamati is you make it grow. And so then, uh, in a way, I think this is uh, a sort of a, fe- a feminine or a feminist or feminine aspect of willpower that if you've got a good decision, then it's like you you have a baby or you've planted a seed and the seed has sprouted, and then and then you take care of it and you give the conditions for it to grow. So you kind of, like you give some protection uh, and uh, you give uh, attention and you give the nourishment and the nourishment actually is paying attention and, and um, uh, thinking and pondering and, and that's what allows that decision to grow. Um, and then virya arabati is like uh, stirring up your um, manly power. So you get both the feminine and the, the vayamati is the feminine side and the virya, that's virility, that's your, that's your manly side and, and, your, and that's uh, what you, you're, like you, you sometimes need to uh, like go beyond what you thought you could do. Like I know um, that I'm able to work, I used to work before I was a monk, so I can work from nine to five. And it's like, it's so easy. And when nine o'clock rolls around, I want to start working. And when five o'clock rolls around, I want to stop working. <laughs> and, and because of the habit of a lifetime. But if there's a necessity, you know, I can keep working. Uh, I can continue, you know, focusing on something beyond Beyond the, beyond the nine to five, or if somebody, if you have a, a family member who's ill and who needs you, or if you've got a child who's who's young and needs you, then you know that you couldn't possibly anticipate how much uh, uh, determination and strength it would take to raise a child, mm-hmm. or how much you would want to be willing to give to or take care of your relative who was uh, ailing and coming towards their death. And, but you just you do what's necessary. That's that's the virya. That's the going going beyond. Um, in terms of motivation, um, I have noticed uh, for myself, and others might notice it, uh, that sometimes uh, one can make a decision and. It's very easy and natural to pursue that goal. Um, and then with other things, you can make a decision and like there's so much hesitation and procrastination and uh, delay and difficulty in finding the energy or the clarity to, to uh, pursue a goal. Uh, and so this is also interesting and worthwhile to use your mindful awareness and study that and see, you know, what what's going on there. What, what's the difference for you? 
uh, I'm not inherently, I don't have the greatest habits about um, uh, cleaning the physical surrounding. Uh, but whenever we have a turnover of personnel around here in the monastery, if somebody leaves, um, I don't, I can't explain it, but I, I always get a, I see in myself, I get a burst of energy for tidying up. I say, okay, that person's gone, let me tidy up. Uh, and when, when um, uh, uh, an honored guest is coming, or when uh, when I to tell is coming around, that I also get a different kind of energy. So that let's make everything look tidy and beautiful. Uh, and then at other times, see, so I know that for me, the the cleaning thing is not a. I don't have a strong, a good aditana, a good habit. It's not the motivating, um, guiding principle of my life um, to be clean and beautiful. Although I really enjoy and I love being in a monastery which is clean and beautiful as, as this monastery is most of the time uh, uh, so so um, uh, those impulses that come along uh, I think are basically uh, some kind of emotional triggering and I believe that one ought to have um uh, like a certain cautious uh, energy is energy, we can use it. But one should be kind of like careful about where the energy is coming from and be really careful about an energy that is um, uh, leading us to where the mind is going and getting lost in objects and lost in things that take us away from mindfulness. Uh, and I think this, so, so then, uh, and, but at the same time, uh, uh, we, I think uh, humans need uh, emotions to do anything. And so this is just my personal view. That's not so much, Buddhism doesn't speak about emotions, but uh, to me, um, uh, if one is fully aware that uh, what comes naturally can then be uh, used and turned to a good end, turned to, to a good purpose, as long as we're aware of it and we're careful. Um, and then um, uh, the... Um, Uh, last um, uh, point I wanted to make in this little analysis is that to me um, insight is a really essential part of having a success with making an aditana or making a determination to uh, change our priorities or change our, our long-term uh, commitments. And the reason I say that uh, is that uh, without insight uh, you sort of have an idea that like this would be good for good for me. You know, it would be good for me if I you know, got more exercise or, or if I was more tidy or if I 
if I uh, uh, was uh, more devoted to meditation or something like that. But without really knowing the the gain and the benefit and the and the happiness of that, then uh, you're always just pushing the boulder up the hill. But you don't really uh, uh, there's there's a counter gravity of of uh, falling back falling back to uh, one's uh, previous habitual uh, states. Uh, but then. Uh, we get a sometimes we get a glimmer or we get a glimpse of how uh, beautiful it is to be a certain way, to have certain priorities, to have certain values, and to be upholding those values consistently. And then, when we get a glimpse of that, then if we um, know that very clearly and mark it and and um, and uh, develop that that awareness, then. Uh, it gradually becomes um, so habitual that we would tend to constantly uh, notice the benefit from doing these virtuous and nice things that we resolve to do, and it, it then it becomes a it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy that because that the mind doesn't incline to suffering. The mind wants to be happy. And so the mind will always, if it's given a choice, the mind goes for the thing that seems to be happier. But if we don't know where our happiness is, then the mind can be habitually going in a way that, you know, it looks good in the short term, but it's not really the best. But when we have the insight, then we will be much more clearly see where is the safety, where is the refuge, where is, where is our true happiness. And then when we see that very clearly, then it's not so much work anymore. The mind just wants to go there. Then I I want to uh, close this uh, uh, brief discourse by mentioning um, the four resolutions that uh, were given in the Datu Vibhanga uh, Sutta. Uh, They're the ones that we've been um, thinking about and discussing for the past few weeks. And uh, that would be... um, an example where uh, our, we think that this monk Pukasati uh, had gotten a hold of a meditation practice and he'd gotten a hold of jhana and was getting some gain for that. But he, his practice was going in the wrong direction with too much emphasis on samadhi and he needed to shift his emphasis towards vipassana. And so the four resolutions that are given in there are the resolutions that are uh, towards um, uh, supporting insight. And that is to um, not neglect wisdom or not neglect insight. uh, uh, To protect the truth. to uh, cultivate relinquishment and to practice for peace.
Most of the work we do, or most of what we do in the meditation practice, in our Dhamma study, is just is on that first point. Uh, uh, coming to see uh, the danger of how the mind is always running out onto objects, how the mind is always proliferating, uh, getting the mental discipline to focus on a special object of meditation such as the elements, uh, developing the insight of non-self, uh, contemplating the internal and the external um, elements as not me, not mine, not myself, um, so that what we experience of our own physical um, form uh, appears to us as simply being part of nature, not being something um, so um, unique and special. And then, and then um, coming to uh, see how the uh, Vedana um, comes comes and goes so quickly, and then and then that matures in equanimity. And then with that equanimity, then one is able to protect the truth. One is able to see things exactly as they are because there's no resistance to the way things are. And, and uh, we come to a, 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 a see that this uh, final maturing of equanimity to where uh, the last feeling that we have at the end of life, that the feeling is there, it exists, it goes away, it's finished. And that finishing, that cessation, that's nirvana, and nirvana has an undeceptive nature. Um, and with that we get to the such other truth, and with that we get to uh, the uh, relinquishment of all clingings to any kind of becoming, any state of existence, uh, not clinging to any existence or non-existence, and then without any kind of bias or clinging in that way, then the mind is not agitated. When the mind is not agitated, the mind is peaceful, then we practice for peace. And so that would be um, an example of a very high and noble um, New Year's resolutions uh, that we could make to think, well, could... Am I there yet that I could even think to organize my life around this? And that that would be um, as uh, constant and clear for me as it might be that in the past that I was clear about um, um, taking care of my body and brushing my teeth. Um, and so... Um, uh, it's uh, kind of um, I didn't have this in mind when we happened to uh, discuss the Datu Vibhanga Sutta at the New Year's end but it seemed to come together by a miracle that these four resolutions uh, come up into our awareness just at the time of the year when we're thinking about 
how um, we have this tradition to make a New Year's resolution. So I uh, will invite you to um, um, think of being realistic. Uh, uh, know that resolutions can be a good thing. And uh, that if you have a good resolution, it's worthwhile to protect it, um, uh, nurture it, uh, to be uh, intelligent and to be uh, skillful, to try to uh, take care of your resolution and allow it to uh, come to its maturity and it will be a gain and a benefit for you for a long time. So that concludes this reflection and uh, thank you for your patient listening. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.